most people have no problem in spending a lot of money on a car lease, jumping on a plane and spending 10,000 on a vacation, and yet we don't invest in ourselves. I just looked at it from a different perspective and realized the most important asset that I have is my mind. This is Chan with The Plan, the podcast, a podcast providing career advice and easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals, helping you overcome career challenges so you stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. I'm your host, Max Chan. Now let's dive into the episode. Hey, Jamie, Jacqueline, welcome to the show. Thanks, Max. Appreciate the opportunity. Excited to be here. Yeah, great. So I've done about a hundred episodes of like interviewing a hundred professionals, and this is actually the second time I've had two people on. So it's uh, definitely good to try a multi-person conversation. So again, thanks for coming on. So why don't we start off with like telling us a little bit about your upbringing from an educational and professional perspective before we jump into how you started your business together. I'll let Jamie roll, and then I'll hop in. Sure, I was in the real estate space since I was 22 years old. So I was at university, not sure what I wanted to do, but a year and a half in, I decided I needed to take a break because without the clarity, I just didn't make sense to walk away with a degree that I didn't even want or know that I was going to be able to use and apply. I saw that happening around me. So I made the decision to take a step out and, and I stumbled into the real estate industry through the vacuum cleaner industry. Ironically enough, I was trying to sell a vacuum cleaner and selling vacuum cleaners. And I, I met the Toronto Real Estate Board and he was the one that planted the seed. And, and I was very successful, spent many, many years in that space, loved it as a salesperson. And we built out a team, opened up a couple offices and did that until we transitioned to start the B2Have movement four years ago. And I come from a little bit of a different side of things. So I didn't know what I wanted to do at the beginning and really tried a lot of different avenues. I actually got my real estate license when I was 18, just because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I didn't stick in that field. I went back to school in business management and then went into a marketing certification from there. So I went down the agency route, loved it at first. I'm going to say it was great experience at the time. I struggled a lot with anxiety in the role. It was like very much spiking for me. It wasn't something that I personally found a connection to, at least the avenue I was working in, to my purpose in that field. So from there, I did some freelance. And then through one of the coaching programs Jamie was actually coaching, I went through as a client and really dove into who do I want to be and what kind of life do I want to have? What does that career look like? And from there, Jamie and I partnered to build out the Video Hub movement. Great. So what made you decide to start be do have movement. How do you come up with that name first? It basically started with a mindset and a trajectory that I've been on of personal growth and development and understanding that we need to really think different. We need to become more than we are in our mind first. And then we can do things based on who we think we are. It's reverse and engineering, Max, what most of us were taught, right? We're taught to, you know, do these things, get really successful. And then once you get successful, you're going to be happy and be all of the things that you think that you're going to get out of that success. And I learned in life for me, it was re-engineering that to live in our mindset first, use our imagination, get creative, and then we'll do things in alignment to what our goals are. And then we'll have everything that we can imagine in the beginning. So we just reverse engineered what we were taught. Yeah. So that's a common thing, especially with a lot of young professionals, right? Like they focus on 
the extrinsic goals and then I'll be happy when I do this and do that. Why is this so programmed in us that we need to do something first before we can achieve the happiness we are looking for? We're taught it through school. Like, think about it. You know, we're taught about it. You're going to go here, then you're going to graduate and you're going to do this next step. And it's all very milestone based. You want to work to this next thing. You want to grind. And once you have that, you're going to become a new person all of a sudden. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are unhappy and there's a lot of people stuck because they don't have that fulfillment in everyday life. And that's what you're really getting when you start to learn how to apply this be you have method into everything that you're doing and everything you're being, both in your life and your career. In a way, Max, I think it comes through ignorance, right? We're, we're taught by friends, family, school, culture, educational systems that this is the process. Yet nobody, at least in my world when I was growing up, nobody explained it any different. And because of that, we pass this on. And then as a result, you get the success, which you think is going to make you happy. And then you realize, okay, what else is there? Like, I'm not happy. And for me, you know, going through bankruptcy and, and almost getting divorced and losing that opportunity with my family really caused me to shift my thinking. And that's when I really went down a personal development growth plan that really changed my life and made me realize that, okay, we just have to turn it upside down and rethink what is actually going on here. So going back to what you said, I'm assuming that was at your lowest point. Uh, you were close to bankruptcy, right? Uh, I went bankrupt. Oh, you did went bankrupt. Okay, everything. so all right. So what's your thought process? Like, were you thinking about like, okay, let me try something else and follow the same system, or as you said, like you pivoted your mindset and let's do something a bit different? Like, how did you decide which path to go? Yeah, Max. My thought process was I was pissed off. <laughs> Nobody wants to go through bankruptcy, so I was upset that I had to go through that experience. And then I realized I was doing the same things that got me in that process. So I was just accumulating, doing really, get really successful in sales and accumulating income and then started to accumulate assets and then thinking, okay, I'm going to start reinvesting. But then I saw the pattern. I was just going down that same path. So I started to surround myself with people that have gone before me, mentors, coaches that helped me see things different and helped me to grow. And up until that point in time, I was very focused on doing it myself. I didn't want to ask for help didn't ask for support. You know, I was reading and thought I knew everything. So a little bit arrogant and confident, overconfident. And when I, after you lose everything, you look in the mirror and you realize, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. And that's where I found for me, it was through coaching and support and mentorship where people would lock arms with me and really just guide me and share their wisdom with me. And I was open-minded enough to listen. I think that's a big difference. In the beginning, I wasn't, you know, you get confident, you get, think you're successful and you have all of this monetary success behind you. And, and that overconfidence is closed mindedness. And that, for me, that's what it was. It took me losing everything to realize, okay, I've got to do things different. And how did you start getting into coaching after the bankruptcy? Successful people around me had coaches. So I just started to connect the dots and realize that, okay, if coaching is what they're doing to help them become successful. And, and they just said, you know, you need coaching. So I started to then explore coaching. So I had a real estate coach. We've had multiple real estate coaches in my life. And at one point in my life and career, I had five different coaches around me. I had a money coach. I had a real estate coach. I had a leadership coach. I had a business coach and a fitness coach. So I had all this support around me that basically kept me in the trajectory of what I said I wanted to do. So coaching became just a natural process for me. And I, and I started to look at professionals and I'm a big sports fan. So you look at you know anybody in sports, they have multiple coaches around them and they don't think anything other, other than they just need coaches and support and they master what they do. And for me, that's what I started to realize that I just needed coaches to keep me in alignment on track and hold me accountable. 
you said you had five coaches, right? So obviously that adds up in terms of the financial investment. And some people are nervous about uh, investing in coaching because they don't know what they'll get. So did you have to overcome? I know you said you had an open mind, but like, did you have any hurdles to overcome in terms of like working with a coach? Absolutely. The first hurdle, it's time and money. That's what I find are the two things that stop most people from moving forward and hiring a coach. They don't have the time, which is the reason you actually need a coach. So to create more time. And then money, we use that as a reason. And at the same time, most people have no problem in spending a lot of money on a car lease, jumping on a plane and spending 10000 on a vacation, <laughs> buying a Gucci bag for five grand, and yet we don't invest in ourselves, right? So I just looked at it from a different perspective and realized the most important asset that I have is my mind. And if I'm not willing to invest in myself, then who is? And that was a coach years ago who said that to me. It's like, you know, if you're not going to invest in yourself, who else will? And it, it was that moment in time where I just realized, okay, I need help and support and I'm open. And yes, it was a big investment, but I look at where I am today. I wouldn't be here without having made that investment. Go by the way, you said that's a common thing where, for example, people would spend $1,500 on the latest iPhone or spend like two grand on the vacation where they go for a week and then talk to their coworkers about it for like a lunch, right? But yet they have so much trouble investing in themselves. So why is that? I was literally talking about this with a client this morning. Most people have never invested in themselves. And when I say that, I go back to school, right? Think about education after high school. Who paid for university or college? In the vast majority of cases, parents pay the way. And I paid my own way. I paid for my own wedding. I've paid for everything in my life. So I've invested myself from a very young age. And yet most of my friends, over 80% of them, their parents paid for their education. So when you break it down and realize that most people have never actually invested in themselves, they struggle with this. It's a, it's a paradigm that's deep-rooted in their mind, and they don't see the value in it, and they don't have a past experience to show them that it makes sense and it works and it's worthwhile. Just to add to that, what Jamie just shared there, it's really the difference between an investment and an expense. And starting to look at opportunities like that versus everything is an expense and it's costing me this. Well, what else is it gaining? All right. This might be an embarrassing question. I'll put you on the spot. So did your dad help with your <laughs> education or did he have a mindset shift already before he started getting to school? He supported me through some of it, but I also supported myself. I was also working full time while I went through school. And I was very much brought up with that mentality of investing in yourself as a positive thing. So I fell in love well before we were coaching in the self-development space because I saw the gains from thinking outside the box, thinking differently than the people that were surrounded by. And, you know, Max, that Jacqueline had mentioned earlier on that she was in a program that I was doing. She was a student. She invested in that. She paid for that program. When we pay, we pay attention. If it's given to us, then you know what? People have reasons not to follow through. It's not their money, so they don't value it. So I knew it was very important to invest yourself. And Jacqueline actually invested herself, her money, to be in a program that I was teaching. Did you have the hard seller or did she already see the value just by seeing you uh, work your clients when you were doing that coaching program? I was at a point in my life where because I was in such bad anxiety, I was not in a good place from my career standpoint that I was like hungry for something else. So I think I was definitely an easy sign up for that option because I wanted to change. And that's a big deal, especially when it comes to working with someone. It's they have to want that desire for more or else there's only so much you can do for them. Uh, going back to what you said, Jamie, about like when you pay, you pay attention. 
in regards to that, like a lot of people want like free advice. They'll like look up free resources or there's these coaches or agencies that pitch, you don't pay until we get you results. What's your thoughts on those types of methods? Yeah, I think, you know what, you do what you need to do until you get going and finding somebody that's going to support you. Free is free. Like, I don't know about anyone else, but my experience in life, you only get so much for free. And then what do you do, right? So you can go to Google University, you can get everything on there. And here's what I usually find that happens. People are in a habit of gathering information, but they're not moving forward. So you can gather all this information, but if a month or a year goes by and nothing's ultimately changed, then you don't need more information. We have to actually now think different. And that's where I feel the value of a coach is there's somebody there that's going to challenge your beliefs. There's somebody that's there that's going to help you create a vision for what you want and take the time to do it. We live in a society where we just gather. We're gatherers. Like, you know, culturally, this hasn't changed for (laughs) hundreds of years. We're still gathering, except we've gone from food and nuts to gathering information. And now we're still stuck. We're not happy. Like, I think there's more people now that are really going through a lot of hardship mentally mental health because they haven't connected to really their passion that's already in them but they're not pursuing it there's a saying that goes 99 percent of the world is consumers and one percent are really true producers slash creators right would you agree with that point i think we're all creators however not everybody and i do agree with that one percent maybe a little bit more that are actually creating their own life and consciously aware of what they're doing we all have the ability we all have the ability to create think so we are creators, but it's whether we even acknowledge that or are aware of it. And then we look around us and see that people like what you're doing, like you're creating, you're creating this podcast, you're creating a path for people to help them find a career that they're happy about and love. Right? So you are a creator, but we're all creators. We all have the same ability. I think our gift as coaches is that we can help others see what they don't see in themselves. One of the common things is like when people work at jobs, they're creating for their employer, right? And from my perspective, it's a lot easier if someone's telling you to like build something than you uh, having nobody accept your own accountability to create. Obviously, it's a lot easier to create when someone's telling you what to do or you'll get fired if you don't do it compared to doing it yourself. So how does someone develop self-discipline to create stuff just for their own purpose? I would say it's almost kind of the opposite from what you said there, only because I think when it's your own business, you're operating from a place, when you have that entrepreneurial spirit, you're operating from a place of serving other people. So I almost think in that sense, it's easier because you're helping. You're coming from a place from within to make a difference in somebody else's life versus at least my personal experience in the corporate side of things. I felt a huge creative block because I was told to do something that was in a box of a description versus I was literally told, don't not leave this box. This is all you're meant to do. Anything else, it's overworking or whatever the case is. So it's really tapping into whether you're in a career or you're an entrepreneur. How can you be helping someone in what you're doing and really tapping into that purpose? And I think it's changing your attitude when you are in a position where you're an employee. And you know, if we shift it, we're doing this together. And I heard this years ago, most employers pay employees enough so they don't quit. And most employees do enough so they don't get fired, (laughs) right? And now you have this opposite happening. It's almost this action reaction. Whereas if we can get on the same page and understand like you're there and how could you help yourself first of all? So lead yourself to be more, that's gonna help your employer actually see opportunity in you and provide other opportunities to maybe help you grow within the company. If you're there and you're just gonna do enough so that you don't get fired, 
well, you're going to get overlooked. Yeah, absolutely. You can't just do the bare minimum and expect to get for more, right? You do have to go above and beyond to a certain extent, which goes to my next question about feeling like overworked and a lack of work-life balance. So how can people do well in their careers without feeling burnt out? I think it's personally prioritizing both. A lot of the times in a variety of areas, we focus on these metrics from a business standpoint or what we want that growth to look like. And we leave out the personal side. And that's why what we do is high performance coaching because it's a combination of personal and professional. So you don't want to be just hitting these massive milestones in your business and then there's nothing left. You're not with your family at all. Like that's not prioritized by any means. So I do think it's when you're setting these parameters for what your life looks like it's encompassing both of those areas and getting super clear on, okay, if I need to make some space in my personal life, what exactly does that look like? You know, Max, a lot of our clients come to us for business and we end up working on personal mindset and growth because our business grows to the extent we do. So if we're changing and growing and thinking different, our business will grow as a result of that. So if we're in a job, as an example, we're feeling all this pressure and we're seeing this now, what are they calling it? The mass resignation, right? This worldwide resignation that's going on right now where people are just, they're not getting fulfilled. They don't want to be with the company. And fulfillment now, and see, that's going back to personal. If people aren't getting that personal satisfaction within a company. I think the last few years, if anything, it showed us like time is of the essence. So we need to get really clear on what's important to us. There's also the quiet quitting phenomenon about people doing the bare minimum. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Because a lot of people are feeling unfulfilled in their careers right now. And you probably see that more than what Jacqueline and I noticed because we're dealing typically with salespeople, entrepreneurs, and business owners, right? So you're probably seeing this. Well, let me ask you, like, at what level are you seeing this? What percentage of people do you think are at a point where they just aren't fulfilled in their roles at the company? I think a good amount. Like, There's been studies that said a majority of people are disengaged in their work, right? So I definitely see that. I think like the pandemic is now like almost over and coming to try and get people back to the office, there's been a lot of... like upheaval, right? It's one of those things that if you don't want to go back to work, it's not really a good environment for you, right? So they feel like yeah. forced when before like they could stay at home. So there was that pleasure of like being able to work from home, but then going to the office, they dread it. And then the long commutes. So I definitely feel that there's a disengagement there. Yeah, I can only imagine I'm hearing it and I'm seeing it through people like our clients that are employers that are dealing with this with their employees. And from what I'm doing with a couple of our clients right now is we're just changing it a little bit thinking, okay, well, if they're the right person and you want to keep them, which they all do, or they wouldn't even be there, how do we support them to live and be fulfilled in their role? So what it's doing, and I'm noticing this, is providing leadership opportunities for corporations, bosses, and right, vice versa for employees. Like If we look at ourselves as leaders and then lead ourselves into making bigger and better decisions, everybody wins. And I think that's an opportunity that's really showing up for everyone in the world right now. Going back to what you said about like, you have to have the personal mindset first before the strategies because you're not going to do them, right? So like I've yeah. spoken to a lot of professionals that are struggling with their job search or struggling or being stuck in their career. I could tell them all the advice they want, but if they don't have the right mindset, they're not going to do it. So what are some things that you teach from a mindset perspective to help them be fully ready to actually implement these strategies that you would be teaching them? First things first is getting super clear based on the life that you want to have or the business that you want to have, what type of person are you showing up as? And whatever that element is, for some, it's being confident, it's just being decisive, whatever those characteristics are, you want to take them into a place to reframe what's showing up now so they can start implementing those things to begin with. 
and living as if you've already have that perfect job. So we have a method we teach it, the Be Do Have method, and it's putting ourselves with our imagination, and we all have one, use your imagination and start to imagine what would the perfect job be for me? What would I do that I would love, be fulfilled, be happy, and couldn't wait to do more of it? What would that be? And starting to think and get that clarity, like Jacqueline said, we, it all starts with clarity. And as you start to think about what would this be for me, it's going to cause emotions. It's going to cause you to get excited. It's going to cause fear and excitement. And it's going to really start to show that, okay, I might need to grow. I might need to learn more skill set. I mean, it might need to develop my skill set. So what it's doing, and we can do this all mentally by closing our eyes for five minutes, is it's going to cause us to think. And that's really the first step is we have to think and get clear on what we want. And then you'll probably notice the do part is I'm going to need to do things maybe different than I've done in the past. I'm going to need to develop new skill sets. I'm going to need to build and grow my network. I'm going to need to reach out to people that are doing what I'm doing and connecting with them. Like, my God, LinkedIn, isn't that what it's all about, right? And providing opportunities to now surround myself with people that have what I want. And I think that's what I learned years ago in coaching is coaches help me by doing that. They help me think bigger and then starting to imagine and now living backwards based on what I already have. And then now what ultimately happens is we're living from our goal. We're not striving to get to something. We're already living as if we've already achieved this. And then people and opportunities start to show up. And it happens so fast. If you miss it, you don't even realize that you created it. And we go back to that creator piece, right? We're all creators. We're creating in our mind what we want. But see, we're not taught this. I was never taught this at school, formal education. To add to that, right? I think formal education definitely needs a lot of improvement because a lot of the business skills that you've learned, same with you, Jacqueline, is not really taught in schools. So if someone's a young individual that doesn't want to kick off their career in the corporate and wants to do something on their own, like what's the best way to build a skill set and build a foundation so they can start whatever they want to start off to the right foot? I think it's really tapping into what's bringing you joy and what do you enjoy doing and just starting with that. And sometimes for a lot of people, it could start off in a career space, but you're able to connect the dots afterwards because that's going to give you an experience and a stepping stone to move through. Like, I think it's really transitioned from looking at a career of something you're in for 30 years to a much shorter time frame, right? Like we're in something, some people are like two years and you're flipping, some are even less. And it's not even seen as a bad thing anymore. You're just building a skill set. So I, I do think that that helps at the beginning because then you can figure out what do I actually like and what don't I like and how can I use that on my own potentially in my own business later on. And Max, for me, anytime I make an investment in myself, hire a coach, take a course, read a book, I learn one thing. And that was always my intention. What's the one thing I learned that is going to help me move forward based on what I want to do? And that's why I'm always willing to invest in myself because I know I'm going to learn one thing. Every time I have a call with a coaching client, I learn probably as much as they do because I'm learning through them, right? So I think if we realize we have everything we need right now to start, that's the first thing was we don't need more. We need to get out of this sense that we need more information. We need more stuff. You have what you need. You're probably not doing something that you should be doing. And we have to break habits. We have to break beliefs on what we think is possible and how fast things can happen. So how much should you plan before it becomes like you're just planning because you're procrastinating? <laughs> what tomorrow, like literally think about what the next step is and start tomorrow morning. 
even better, start today. Make a call. Like We have a coaching program, a membership, and I'll encourage people when the call's done in the next 15 minutes, do what you say you're going to do. Like now, there's no option because the procrastination habit is something we all have. It still shows up for me. It's always there because sometimes we get fearful of the future and that's enough to scare us to not make that call but not reach out. So we start today. Like anybody listening to this, I would say if there's something you feel you should be doing, as soon as you're done this podcast, next five minutes, do it. Don't put it off because we put it off and we're putting it off for what? Like we're fearful, we're scared, we think we need to know more, We self-image is kicking in, right? The imposter syndrome, all this stuff stops us in our head. We gain confidence by getting into action and doing things. As they say, you learn by doing, right? You don't learn by reading. Reading will get you in the game. <laughs> now you got to be participating in the game. How about from a prioritization perspective? Like people also procrastinate because they're overwhelmed with all the tasks they have to do, right? So mm-hmm. again, I'm not sure how your coaching program works, but if you outline a whole bunch of tasks, they might feel overwhelmed and don't know what to do uh, to start and then they end up not doing anything. So how would you combat that? It's really figuring out the best next step first. We can all build a whole beautiful plan. I love plans personally, but if we get caught up in that, then like Jamie was talking about, that action doesn't always start. So it's just, what's the next best step? Maybe that's a project or whatever that case is for that person. And then looking at your next day, what are my top three things that I need to do to make that happen? And that's it. Don't have like a to-do list of 10 things. Like we get overwhelmed and then we stop with the action and create and kind of reform that negative habit in a way. So just simplify it. Best next step and top three things. And the opposite to procrastination is decision with action. So if you're procrastinating, whatever it is, and anybody could write down and write down five things you're procrastinating. And then the action step for you is, okay, you make a decision, I'm going to stop doing it. And then what's my next action? And then do it. Like it, it happens this quick. It doesn't need to be anything other than awareness and then getting into action to a decision. So there's also that instant gratification, right? Like they hire a coach like yourself and they want results immediately, right? So how do you make sure that they stay the course even though they don't see the immediate results right away? Momentary wins are the big thing. Like we get so obsessed with like, we need this big metric, this big milestone to happen in order to feel that. But helping clients reframe, like what's something good today? How are you enjoying the process along the way and really landing it on showing up as who you want to be in this journey makes it about who you're becoming. And it helps them stay focused on the positive avenues during this growth process because it is a process. Yeah, that constant awareness around successes and wins. I start every coaching call with tell me something good. So I want to hear the good and I want to hear the wins. And that's to create a habit that we have wins in our life. Most times we're not even aware of it or thinking of it. So once we see the wins, then we can build on them. And yes, everybody wants to hit the button and have the goal. Well, that can happen, but you have to likely grow into becoming the person, thinking different, doing things different, feeling different, your whole mindset, you become a leader, you become this confident person. And that's why we have to get into the actions. Yeah. One of the things is like focus on the actions instead of the outcome, because by doing the actions, you get the outcome anyway, right? The outcome's guaranteed. Like I know whenever I set a goal, I live in the space and start to imagine and feel it and just constantly rewrite my affirmations. I rewrite what I'm experiencing. I'm rewriting this vision I have for my life. And every time I rewrite it, I'm impressing that on my mind, on my subconscious. So I'm replacing any old ideas or thinking that is there. And then I know just from past experience, and we all have had wins in life. 
Like all you ever need to, is to look back in life where you had set a goal and then you achieved it. That's all the success that you need. That's all the evidence you need that you can do this. So I know as soon as I have this embedded in my mind and then I believe it, see, I have to believe it. If I don't believe it, I'm never going to achieve it. But once I believe that what I've written down is a possible and then that I can do it, there's two questions we ask, ask ourselves. Am I able? Am I willing? We're all able. Are we willing to put in the work? Are we willing to put in the time? Are we willing to do what's required? A common fear that people have is a failure, right? And that's why a lot of people are very risk averse. So how do you like, help your clients change that mindset? Failure is really only failure when you stop too. So we really want to focus on leveraging lessons. Like even if something feels like it's not going right the first time, what are we learning and taking away with and moving forward for the next time? So that's a massive reframe that is 100% something that's always focused on. <laughs> and fail fast. Fail fast because yeah. everyone's going to fail. <laughs> fail fast and keep going. Uh, literally, I was on a coaching call just before this with a coach of mine. And that's exactly what he was talking about was get clear on what you want and fail fast. Because as long as you learn from your failures, you're going to get your success fast. But if you stop, and Jacqueline is so right when she says, if we fail and stop, then it's over. But if we fail or it didn't work out, but we keep going, we, now we know what didn't work. So now we have to figure out what did work and fail fast and just keep going. Like I'm hitting my goals. There's no option. <laughs> As the saying goes, uh, when you invest in something, you never lose money until you quit, right? Yep. And, that, and like even and the formal education system, as much as I think we all agree, there's so much more opportunity there, you learn something. So anytime you take any education, you're learning something, whether it's social skills, an idea. I've been in so many programs, Max, in the environments of education where I'm there for listening and then I get other ideas because I'm in an environment of learning. And that's the benefit of being in any form of educational program, growth, personal development, is you're always going to open your mind and allow new ideas to flow to you. So when you two started the Be Do Have movement coaching program, what were some learning lessons that you both had in your past businesses, such as like real estate that helped you speed up the growth of your company? Really focusing on connections, cutting you off there, Jamie, but really focusing on you're helping someone and you're helping them build a connection. So tapping into the people that you're working with, what they want and focusing on making it about your customers or your clients and not only about you and what you want to be achieving and what those metrics are for yourself? For me, it was confidence. I had a lot of confidence in myself. I walked away from an incredible six-figure income, sold all the shares in the companies that I was involved in because I wasn't fulfilled. And there was no way that I was going to continue to do something that I wasn't fulfilled at. So time is of the essence, Max, is the mindset that I have and live life that way today because we don't know how much time we have. So if I'm doing something, I want to be passionate about it. And as a result of that, I just knew I was going to follow my heart, listen to that voice within and do it anyway. And I brought all my successes that I had in the past and everything I'd learned, which was giving me that confidence that we can start a company with an idea and first year, six figures. And now we're worldwide four years later and continuing and growing. And it started with a simple idea in my mind that this is what I wanted to do. So anybody listening, I think, you know, just listen to yourself. Like it's all there within us. Sometimes we suppress it and we don't listen. We give up on it. Just start listening to yourself and follow that voice within. 
So that's a good segue to our next part of our conversation is how did you two decide to start the company together? I started by helping. I was just helping Jamie. So I very much, again, came from that advertising marketing space. So just smaller elements of building up the business, the website, different ideas, such as like stuff like that, and just started helping. And then through doing that one program, though, I, as soon as I started to self-discover and think about what I wanted, what I wanted to create, and it just needed to come from, like Jamie was mentioning, something of fulfillment, something of a greater purpose. And I knew I didn't have that in what I was doing. So from taking that program and just truly tapping into what that person looked like, I actually came to Jamie and said, like, I really want to partner and build this out and help as many people as possible so that they don't have to live in that stuck, anxious state of being anymore. And they can step into what it is that they want in their life and their career. And from my perspective, Max, when I left my industry and I took six months off and in that space, it gave me a lot of time to think. And Jacqueline was volunteering and giving her time. And as she was doing that and helping and supporting, and then we we're going through this program together, I started to see her not as my daughter anymore. I started to see her as this young professional that was incredible. So I grew by not seeing her as my daughter in this role. And as a result of that, I said to my wife that I don't want to miss this opportunity of having her and working together. I didn't see it. I had no idea this was going to happen. And it's the best thing that's happened because now we have a relationship, obviously, as family. And yet when we're in the business environment together, I'm Jamie and she's Jacqueline. Like we're even partners in this journey. So going back to that, right? When Jacqueline is working the job, like you treat her as this young professional instead of your daughter, right? A lot mm -hmm. of people have difficulty doing that. That's why some people don't want to mix family with business. So like, how were you able to slowly shift your mindset that way? I think what helped me was my previous career. I, one of the things I did was recruit and I had recruited to grow our real estate company and I was in a younger environment. So the average age in that office was about, I'd say, early 30s. So I surrounded myself with youth. And as a result of that, I think that certainly helped to see this opportunity in front of me. And the second thing was ego. I didn't have an ego in this. There's so much more that so many people can do better than me. And if I just stay in my lane and focus on that and surround myself with people that are going to make me better and allow me to do what I love to do, whether it's my daughter or anybody else, it would be crazy to miss that opportunity. So I had no ego involved. And in the beginning, you know, we would have these debates together and like every business relationship, you still do. But I'm always willing to listen. And I think if we put our ego aside and realize that sometimes with an open mind, we're going to get further together than me bringing ideas and thoughts that I think work or should be because of past thinking older, being older, or being a father. like It just doesn't make sense to me. Jamie, you really had an openness with it. And I think something that we focused on, which I've had conversations with people recently where they don't see that in those like family relationships when they're working together, is a certain level of respect. Like We still treat this like this is our business. So you're wearing a different hat in those situations. We do take off a father-daughter hat when we're working. So you're coming together with that respect. You're having boundaries when you need to, too, to create a work-life balance. It's not all the time every single conversation's work. It's putting on that hat when it's the father-daughter and when it's not, and then really learning to communicate. I think a lot of people, when they're working with family, you treat them like family, and would you talk to you know, your boss or a coworker like that? You, know, you wouldn't. 
So it's really making sure that you're holding a certain level of communication. Yeah, I think go back to that parental ego, right? So like when, let's say it's a family restaurant and then the son or daughter wants to get into the business and then the father or mother is still like dictating orders as their child. So like if someone's doing that right now, like how do they stop that? So it shows that to improve a working relationship. Well, I think Jacqueline just nailed it by communication, right? Being open and willing to sit down and have a communication as adults. Sometimes as a parent, we lose sight of the fact that our child is now an adult and they're out living their life. And yes, she is right. I was, through my experiences, very open-minded and to the point that I think as a parent, if you don't see your child that way, then you're never going to be in a business relationship. It's going to be hard because there's going to be this battle going on. And I can understand it from a parent point of view as a family-run business, as an example, because the parents started it and went through whatever they did to build it. And then the kids come in, they go to university and they have all these new fresh ideas. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm holding on to what I got because I know what I got. (laughs) And I think there's always a better way. We teach that in our coaching. There's always a better way to do everything. Are we open to it? Yeah, I think a good example would be, uh, let's say this dad's uh, old school and then the kid comes back from university and say, hey, I think you really need to go on TikTok and do Instagram and say, oh, I don't want to do that, right? So like they're not adapting. I think that's fairly common. Uh, Would you agree Like from your experience where like the kids are coming back with new ideas and the parents are just shrugging it off because they don't want to do it? I think you just said it there too, right? It's the adaption. Like, what are you willing to do to change? Are you open to other things? And maybe it doesn't work the first time, but there does need to be an openness from both parties. Likewise, from my position, I need to be open to hearing about the experience Jamie has, in addition to bringing ideas, just as much as he's open to hearing mine. So it really is a two-way street. It's funny you just said TikTok, Max. I'm not on TikTok yet. I'm on Instagram and Jacqueline was encouraging me last year. I needed to be more present because she is and she's incredible. So I made a commitment last year that I was going to do one video a day for a year. I started in January and I haven't missed a day. And the reason I made that commitment was to get comfortable doing it because now I see the opportunity. It's so different than when I started in sales 30 odd years ago, we didn't have technology. So we didn't, we couldn't do it. Right. We had to do old traditional stuff, but now it's totally different. And I'm looking at it now as saying, you know what, there is a better way. And this is definitely a way to express who we are so people get comfortable to see who we are without actually having to have a conversation first. When you're uh, testing new ideas as the, the marketplace changes, how do you know when to give up on the idea and when to stick through it, even though you're not seeing the immediate result? A big thing is looking at, I think you have to review things. You don't just do the same thing continuously without any change. So every, whether that's every month, whatever that milestone is that you want to pick to review, it's really taking the time to reflect on, is this working? Is this not working based on these goals that we wanted for this particular, whatever the area is, that project that you're working on and really coming back to that. And that's something we both work on is on a monthly basis and a quarterly basis, going back to what those goals are and like, where can we tweak it? Where can we improve something, maybe remove something? But it is taking that time to reflect on it and actually look at it. And also knowing there's a time from when you start activities to seeing the completion or seeing the results show up. We call that the gestation period. I just don't know how long it's going to take for my success and goals to happen. So as long as I'm reflecting on what we're doing, making sure that we're progressing forward, In my gut, I know whether it's right or wrong. And I think that's the message. Like We just have to learn internally that it takes time for things to happen. And in your gut, you're going to know if it's right for you. Because what's right for Jacqueline or you, Max, might not be right for me. 
However, I know that takes time as well. So I just stay focused and I know my goals are going to be achieved. I know our success is happening. And as long as I'm an alignment person, I feel comfortable doing this by listening to my inner voice, my intuition, then I'm going to keep doing it. And it has to happen. Like success has to happen. I look at my entire career and everything I've done is learning a new skill set, getting really good at it, creating mastery, and then the success shows up fast. So I'm never going to quit in the early stages. Like why? If a team, a football team's losing after the first quarter, do the players walk off the field and say, that's it, we're out? <laughs> like there's a timeline. So what's the timeline? And that's why when you set goals, you say, okay, here's my goal. And I give myself a timeline for it. Yeah, going to your sports examples, right? Everybody wants to watch a comeback, right? Like a comeback in the fourth quarter or a comeback in the ninth inning, right? So if you're giving up too soon, you're doing yourself a disservice because you also want to have a comeback story. That's brilliant. I love that, the comeback story. And I think most people actually quit on themselves before they even give them a chance for a comeback story. So we can't quit, right? And I think that's where coaching makes a big difference. Mentorship, having support around you that won't let you walk away when things get tough. Sometimes you've got to go through those tough times to get better, to get stronger, to get emotionally stronger, to learn something new in order to get to that next level when you do get those successes and the trophies and, and all the wins. It goes back to the uh, the free information portion, right? As you said, like when you pay for something, you pay attention. When it's free, there's more chances of you quitting because you didn't really risk anything, right? So if the going gets tough, it's easier for you to quit because you haven't invested any money. But if you invest into a coaching program where you spend like thousands of dollars a month, it'd be stupid to quit because you spent so much money and now you're just throwing the garbage, right? Yeah, it's easy to walk away when it's free. And it's a good place to start. But I think you learn pretty quick that there's another opportunity that's going to get you to your success faster. See, that's why we, Jacqueline and I invest in coaching ourselves, because we need people around us that are going to help us grow. So we have a marketing coach. I've got a financial coach. We have a business coach. So we have coaches right now in our world. I know coaching gets me to my success faster. I don't, time is of the essence. I don't want to take another 30 years. I want to get to where I want to go in this new space that we're in as fast as possible. And coaches are going to help me do it. So and it creates a level of accountability with mm. that too. When you're investing in something and you're willing to put your money, your hard earned money towards something, it does make you show up with a different level of accountability that something that's free or otherwise given away wouldn't. As you've been uh, growing this business together for the past four years, correct? Is it four years? Yeah, but yeah. Yep, coming up to four years. Nice. As you expand, also uh, during your time in real estate, you had to like hire people and grow a team, right? So what do you look for in new team members to ensure that they fit the culture? A big thing for us, and you know, this is very much a trial and error too, but looking to people that are also, what I'm really aligned with is also people that are also willing to grow and help. And I think if someone's just focused on their own business and you know, getting you to this one thing, it can block you. And so we're really expand with other people that are also growth thinkers based on their specific targeted area. Yeah, growth mindset and attitude. Those mm -hmm. are the two big things. I truly believe we can teach anybody that is open to being taught. So you need to have a growth mindset and skills that they may bring to the table, depending on what we need as well, obviously. So right now, social media, my other daughter and Jacqueline's sister is helping us right now with our social media. So she's aligned to doing that. And mindset is key. Mindset and attitude, I'll take that all day long because people that have an open mind are willing and typically have a great attitude. And I don't have time to 
change somebody's attitude. Like you got to show up and I want you to show up and I'm going to attract people that have the same attitude that we do. And Max, that's what happens. Like that's all we see. It just keeps coming to us because that's who we are. We attract who we are. Yeah, like job seekers tend to focus so much on the technical skills that employers are looking for, but they're mm-hmm. missing the component that really matters is the soft skills, right? Because when someone is looking to hire somebody, they have to imagine that can they work with this person every single day, Monday to Friday, right? So like you said, yeah. like the attitude is way more important than the skills, but you guys, you can always teach the skills later on. Yeah. And I'm assuming like, there are certain skills that you want, right? So like if somebody, if I'm hiring somebody for a role, I want them to have the skills that they're going to need to do that a lot of that out there, then I look at the attitude and growth mindset. So I focus on the attitude growth mindset first, and then making the assumption that you have the skill set. Great. As our hour is coming to a close, I usually ask this question to my guests to wrap it up. So as you know, my podcast is about helping professionals overcome career challenges. So for each of you, what has been one big challenge in your career that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? A challenge in my career that I've had to overcome, I think was leaving the industry I was in. It was tearing me apart and I saw so many people in that space staying and that was just a norm and a way of life. And getting through that point, I can now look back in time and and I'm so grateful for the opportunities and the lessons and where it's brought me to this point. And really just understanding that these challenges can simply be a part of your story as long as you're moving forward with them. Yeah, I look back and I think about the challenges. So bankruptcy, almost getting divorced, overwhelmed, not enjoying what I was doing. Those were pivotal moments where I looked at that and realized, okay, I can either accept it and stay in it, or it's time to pivot. So I think the biggest opportunity for me came knowing what made me happy and knowing what didn't make me happy. And Max, we ask everybody, like, what do you want? What do you want in life? What do you want to be? And believe it or not, a lot of people struggle answering that question because they just don't have the clarity. So then we reframe it and we ask, what don't you want? And then no problem giving me a list of things we don't want. Well, the opposite of what we don't want will help us guide us to what we want. And that becomes a focus. I go back to what you said, Jacqueline, about like how you see a lot of people that were stuck in that industry and didn't like it. There's obviously the fear of failure, but it's also a fear of success where it's one of those things like they want to make a move, but deep down they feel comfortable staying where they are miserable. Why is that? Why don't they want to make that jump, even though that's the right move, but they rather prefer to be miserable. It's similar to like, how people don't like their jobs, but all I do is complain about it, but they don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think a big thing is the comfort zone. It's safe. They might not be happy, but it's safe and they're getting paid and they know what they're doing. They know what to expect. And it takes a lot of courage to step out of that and to take responsibility for your life and what you want. And some people don't want to take that step, but that's totally fine. There's no right or wrong with that. But I do think 100% people get stuck because they're comfortable. Comfort zones, (laughs) it's not a good place to live for a very long period of time. And I think I know for myself, when I got comfortable, you get bored. And then you start to just not being happy, not being fulfilled, you start showing up late. Like these are the things that you start to notice. So I think what I've learned is you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. So when we grow, it's going to be uncomfortable, but that's the comfort zone. So my new comfort zone is being uncomfortable. And then it's easy to keep growing. Yeah. The more uncomfortable you get, the bigger the comfort zone gets, right? Because you're not going to stay uncomfortable doing the same thing forever, right? Eventually you get comfortable doing it, but it's that starting that is the scary part. Yeah. Great. Again, I appreciate both of you coming on my podcast to discuss your careers and your business. So how can people reach out to you to learn more about what you do and how you can help them? Instagram, Facebook, 
YouTube, TikTok at Be Do Have Movement. Our website's BeDoHaveMovement.com. And we do have a self-discovery quiz to really help people figure out where they are now so they can determine who they want to step into. And that's available on our website as well. Yeah, perfect. It's a quiz, uh, Max, that helps people really learn their strengths. And life for me is about growing our strengths, not necessarily managing all the things that we're not good at or don't want to do. So let's just focus on our strengths and we can have all the success and have fun and be happy along the way. So yeah, we encourage anyone to just check out the assessment and you'll get a 20 odd page report and help you understand who you are. Great. Again, I appreciate the time, both of you and have a great weekend. Thank you, Max. Appreciate it. Thanks, Max. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here's three ways I can help you achieve your career goals for free. First, subscribe to this podcast as I post two episodes a week. Number two, leave a five-star review as this helps build the credibility of the show so we can gain access to more influential people to interview and bring those lessons to you to help elevate your career. And number three, connect with me on social media. There's a link in the show notes for you to click on that compiles all my active social media accounts, making it easy for you to find me and connect with me. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, Thank you.